2: You know, everything I've learned about my Lord and my relationship with Him has been brought to me in very simple terms. It's never been the complex that's brought me into truth. It's always been the simple. Because He lives. That's a simple truth that's all-encompassing. It's not complex. It's not difficult. But the most complex The most overwhelming complexity can be fit into that simple phrase, the truth of our God. Because he lives, I have life. That was well stated. That's the truth of it. Because he lives, I have a life that has overcome everything that alienated man from God. Because he lives, I have a life that is more than a conqueror. I don't ask for victory. I live in it. Because He lives, I can walk without fear. The only fear that touches my life is the reverential fear of worship. And it is truth and it is good because my heart relishes in the truth of my God. Simple because He lives. You know, God meets us where we are, and He calls us sheep. <laughs> So he doesn't show up with complex doctrine and deep, deep waters for us to wade through. He sets us down, and he concerns himself with the bare necessities of life. Because he lives, he leads me. Because he lives, he walks me beside the still water. Because he lives, he makes me lay down. Because he lives, he is my nurture in the presence of my enemy. Because he lives, I have a shepherd. I could go on, but we're not there. We're in 1 Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and last week we covered verses 1 through 8. And today we're going to cover just verses 9 through 11. And as I have reminded you, the Corinthian believers had a problem collective problem. It's called carnality, and we can just break that down to living according to the flesh. And here's the thing, they were religious, and they practiced in the truth of religion, but they only knew God or would know God according to the flesh, and that's even more dangerous. Because to be religious, which is really just to know God according to the flesh, to keep God in the context of to keep God in the context of our flesh is literally to walk outside of the truth, to live outside of the truth. It's not the way God intends to us to live. And here's the reality. There's only two sources of life. One of them is the flesh. The lost man lives in and through the flesh, and the other is Christ. Now, these people have been given a whole new source of life, but they weren't living in it or to it. And that is the deception that comes upon us all, is that the enemy, he knows that the sin issue is fairly settled. I mean, he he is that bright. He's figured that out. The sin issue is settled, but what he's most concerned with, his greatest victory is not about getting you to sin, it's about getting you to believe that that is who you are. To getting you to believe that living a a godly life is something you can do in the flesh. Getting you to believe that, that the Christian is about educating and disciplining the flesh to be righteous. If he can catch you up on that, if he can make you believe that your behavior is the truth of you, then he's got you. You will never know, experientially, the life that Christ came to give you, the abundant life. Because you can't know it, knowing God according to the flesh. Now here's the thing you've got to remember about the Corinthian believers. They're believers. They have the same Things you have as a believer. They have the very presence and life of God within them. They have been redeemed. They live, they're literally, who they are in Christ is perfect before the throne. They are righteous people. They are holy. They are consecrated. They are sanctified. We'll get to that verse here in a bit. They are set apart for God himself. That is the truth of who they are. Now, if you don't live in the truth of who you are, you live in deception. You live literally acting like something you're not. Behaving like something you're not. So when we get right down to it, we can say that the issue of sin is knowing who you are. That's where it starts. I will tell you, and I'm going to tell you again in a little bit, is that when the Spirit of God comes to convict you, or when He allows conviction into your life, He's not convicting you so much of your behavior, but the source of that behavior, who you believe yourself to be. What the Spirit of God will remind you of is who you are. What, He'll, what He will spur you on to is that this behavior does not suit Who you are. He is not going to do. The enemy's got a whole different approach. The enemy's all about saying, You see it? You see your behavior here? You see how you acted? You see, God knows you. He knows what kind of person you are. What has he done? He's married me to the sin. The sin has become who I am. You know, you will never, ever get beyond. Living according to the flesh by trying to train it and discipline it unto righteous. And there are whole churches who can bear testimony and Corinth is one of them. We can learn through what Corinth has gone through. Now, Paul goes through these chapters, and I'll recount it for you, and points out their carnality, points out their carnal behavior, points out the condition of man in sin, which we'll talk about today. He points all this out, and he points it out so that you can see, so that the Corinthians can readily see who they were versus who they are. Because Paul knows that telling them they need to straighten up how they're acting is not going to get it done. Preaching on sin does not stop it. In fact, it flames the fire. Paul knows this. So we're going to, we're going to listen to his tact on this thing. These people are righteous and they know God. But the problem is that they have both individually and collectively chosen to set aside their identity in Christ and live according to the flesh, according to the body, to the world. Now, this makes Christianity a religion rather than a life. It is a belief system that regards its life in the body as primary and its union with the spirit secondary. In other words, they refuse to live by faith. That's really the crux of the issue when we talk about living according to the flesh, living according to the Spirit. It's an issue of faith. We live by faith. Now, they refuse to live by faith. And again, this is knowing God according to the flesh when we refuse to live by faith. That's what it is. And I know God, in other words, we we stand up and say, Oh, I know God through the lives around me. I know God through the way I feel. I know God through my circumstances. I know God through what I experience. I know God through the testimony of this person or that person. That is exactly the way the lost know life. Through externals. That's how I know it. I'm not saying God's not in those things. God is in those things. But we were created in union with him that we might know him. And through that knowing, we recognize him in those things. But he does not give us life through those things. And you know what? If that is all we know about God, then we live a superficial Christian, flesh-oriented life. Now, Jerry over there is my neighbor. And I love her. We've gotten to know each other. She's part of the family now, whether she wants to admit it or not. But if all I knew about Jerry is what I know about the majority of my neighbors, when I see her, I wave at her, how much relationship would we have? Not much. Well, how is it that we have become as close as we have? Because my knowing her is not based on when I see her. My knowing knowing her is based on a relationship that is ongoing where I am involved in her life and she's involved in our family's life. That's how I know her. That's what we're talking about here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul makes this statement. He says, For we walk by faith. He's talking about the believer. How do we walk? We walk by faith, not by sight. Living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. See, when we received his life, we were delivered from living to externals. You hear that? When when Christians come to me for counseling, I can tell you 99.9% of the time the problem is, and the problem that they see, and the problem that they're dealing with is living to externals. Externals are causing them to lose life. Now, what do I mean by that? If my life is based on how much money I have, in order to lose life, I lose money. If my life is based on how good a relationship I have with my kids, I lose life when I lose relationship with my kids. Life that's based on externals, is ba- it, is, it is fickled, it is temporal, and it is not a life of faith. God calls us to a life of faith to put faith in something that is immovable and unchangeable. That's why we can't lose life. Because he's given us life, and if we want to live out of that life, we have to do it by faith. If we seek to know God through externals, we walk by sight like the lost. Colossians 2 6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him. How do we walk? In union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. So how did we receive Christ? By faith. We are to live by faith from the inside out. That's the way we've been made to live. That's literally how we're constructed. To live from the inside out. And when we live in that manner, what is inside of us is expressed outside of us. We express... Now look back at the verse I just read. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. What do we express... We literally express the truth of our union. We reflect his character in the things we do and say. It's not hard to tell how somebody is living. All you got to do is be around them for a little while. And what you hear from their words of their mouth, what they express from the way they're talking or behaving, is what source they're choosing to try to live from. That's what they're expressing. And God has called us to live from his life, which if you're a child of God, is literally the center of your being. He wants you to express that life from the inside out. In chapter 4, Paul dealt with the division in the Corinthian fellowship. They had divided themselves up according to men and philosophy. In chapter 5, he deals with their tolerance of evil within the church and their unwillingness to deal with it. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, Paul addresses their practice of dragging each other to court in front of unbelievers for gain and vengeance. And you know what? As I said last week, this behavior is not abnormal for the lost. It's completely normal. It's not abnormal for those who live to externals. But it is abnormal for the Christian who lives from their union with Christ. That's what Paul's pointing out. Guys, this isn't normal. Yeah, <laughs> Occasionally you have a friend walk up to you and, and, and point to a, a growth on their neck or on their face. and say, Does that look normal to you? You ever had that? Does that look normal to you? And, you know, most of the time you want to say yes because you don't want to get in too deep on that issue. But the reality of it is you can judge what is normal, what looks normal, what isn't normal, because you know what normal is. You know what normal is. Listen, we know what normal is not by what man tells us, but by the standard of life within us. That's how we know what is normal. And Paul is saying, you know what, guys... Uh, What's going on over there? What you're involved in? That's not normal. That is not normal. You guys are not living from the truth. They were not expressing the character of Christ because that would be the fruit of walking in union with Christ. They may be trying to live out their version of the Christian life out of the bankruptcy of the flesh, but... All they're going to produce is corruption. We know a lot of people that are just absolutely frustrated with the Christian life, trying to live it out of their flesh, trying to educate that flesh, trying to discipline that flesh. And, you know, you hear sermons that are all about how you need to discipline that flesh. You need to... Ground that flesh in the Word. And I'm not saying anything against learning the Scripture. But I'm going to tell you that if that Scripture is not applied to the life within that child of God, it is nothing but condemnation and you'll never meet it any more than the Pharisees did. Okay? So the reality of it is that these people were putting on airs of being religious, but they were actually living according to the flesh. They weren't living according to Christ or His life within them. You know, the other thing, I look at this, and people who try to live that way, and I've tried to live that way, and it's amazing to me that we live with a constant testimony of the emptiness and the inadequacy of our flesh, don't we? And the flesh of others. I mean, that testimony never goes away. That's a consistent revelation in my life. How about you? But yet, we will still be shocked when we fall into bitterness and selfishness or envy or whatever it is we fall into when we've been walking according to the flesh. And the enemy comes along and says, see there? There you are, fallen again. I don't know how you're going to face God with this one. Once again, are you going to beg him to change you? Listen, people, he already changed you. You are already changed. The problem is, you're living in the wrong system. You don't need to change your flesh. You need to quit living to it. You need to know who you are. And that's what God is going to point out to the Corinthians, what Paul is is speaking about. God has saved us from the mastery of the body of sin. But we want to believe that we can live in it and not be enslaved to its passion. Now, has that ever been true? I mean, really, you know, let, let the years speak against the minutes. When you're tempted to walk in the flesh in a certain area of your life, have you ever, ever been able to take that on, to live in the flesh on any issue and not be enslaved? I want to tell you something. We're going to make this point again later on. You know, a lot of people take the message of grace and they try to co-opt it and corrupt it in order to say license. Now, listen. Those people, you know, that's its own reward. It literally is. Because sin punishes sin. And, you know, I just look at them and say, go get all you want. Because in the end, you're going to find out there's nothing there. And what they've done is they bought the lie that being able to do and live according to the world is freedom. But it's not freedom. It's bondage. It is literal slavery. Because you are driven by these things. You become enslaved by these things. And what's worse, in that slavery, in those self-imposed chains, you literally rob yourself of the abundant life, the very thing that God calls freedom. You trade freedom for slavery because the enemy has convinced you that slavery is freedom. Does that make sense? That's how a lot of people are living out there. Well, I can do this because you know, after all, we live under grace. I can do that. You can do it all. We're going to talk about that and as we get along. You can do it all. but there's only one place you're going to know life. There's only one place you're going to know abundance. There's only one place you're going to go know liberty. Everything else that you try to take upon yourself in the name of liberty is going to enslave you and drive you. So it's yours. Oh, yes, we are free. We've got all those things. I know the Baptists tried to beat down that whole idea for years, but the reality of it is right here or right here in the Word of God. It's there. You can. Yes, you can. Yes, you have been forgiven. Yes, Jesus died one time for the sins of all men. All men. That includes everyone that you can think of, no matter how wicked you thought they were. Jesus died for the sins of all men one time. So people are not going to hell for sin. People are going to hell because of the pride in their lives that they will not accept what Christ has already done. That's the truth of it. Yeah, you're forgiven. And if you want to embrace the poison that took life from you before and call it liberty, that's your choice. That's your choice. Now, God has saved us from all of that. Let's look at our text. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul's speaking to them, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate by perversion, nor those who participate in homosexuality. Now that's what it says, okay? I didn't write that in there. He says, do you not know? And Paul's not suggesting that they're ignorant. He's saying, you have gotten so far into your flesh, you've forgotten the truth of who you are. The unrighteous, who's he talking about there? The lost, the unsaved, the unredeemed. And they do not live out of the same kingdom that you do. They do not share the inheritance that you do. They do not share the life of Christ that you do. They have a body like you do, but they do not share the life that you do. He tells the the Corinthians, he says, now, don't be deceived because they have chosen to live in deception. The Corinthians have chosen to live in deception. Now, I want to tell you, it's not as complex. Deception is not a real complex thing. It is a simple choice that I will live according to my flesh and take on all of the deception, all of the clouded thinking, all of the twisted thinking of a mortal man versus living in the wisdom of God and walking according to the Spirit. That's how we choose either to be deceived or not to be deceived. If you're walking according to the flesh, guess what? You're deceived. How many ways? I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you just about every one of your perceptions is twisted. And here's the worst of it. Your understanding of who you are is twisted. Your understanding of who God is is twisted. Because you've stepped out of the light. You can't see him for who he is. That increases your your despair. That increases your bondage. That increases your propensity to fall from one sin to the other and go deeper and deeper. Now, deception is not the enemy cooking up some great elaborate plan to draw you in one way or the other, though he may do that. Deception is about him pulling you to live life according to the flesh rather than living it according to the Spirit. It's that simple. There's an A and a B. There's no C. There's not an all of the above. That's what it is. Now, he says, don't be deceived. What is he telling them? Don't live life according to the flesh. Don't enter into fleshy thinking. Well, what does that mean? That, that they were deceived. They were defining life the same way the lost man does. And we've talked about this a hundred times. They define truth the way of the lost man who doesn't know truth defines it. They define peace the way the lost man who lives to the body defines peace. They define everything that you can think of that is important to you in terms of its definition the way the world does. Prosperity, joy, All of it is defined. Blessed, we've talked about that. And you can see, you can go out there and you will find Christian after Christian that walks around with the world's dictionary. And what's worse is they take the word of God and they take the the world's dictionary and define the truths of God through the world's dictionary. That's how we come up with prosperity gospel. That's how we come up with this whole idea that that uh, we can create the blessing of God. That comes out of the world's dictionary. He tells them, "Do not be deceived because they'd chosen deception. The, this deception, the deception that the freedom that they had rec- that they had received was to allow them to live to the flesh. They, that was their deception. That their freedom was, their liberty was in the flesh. And Paul is describing the Corinthian society in the sins he names. He Notice he identifies them by their sins. They are one with their sins and their sins define them. See, look up there at that verse and he says, each one of those is an individual, the sexually immoral, the idolater, the adulterer. He defines them by their sins and that's the truth of the godless man. His, defa- his behavior defines him. That's the truth. I'll give you a little history on Corinth. The greatest building in Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, where sensuality and immorality was practiced as a form of worship. Now, as a society, they were immoral. They worshipped immorality. And here's the thing. If you live according to the flesh, you'll worship your sin. You will.
1: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.